0: Hello, 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 and welcome to The Local Edition, news and information to keep you connected in Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host for this Tuesday, Patricio Robayo. In the second half of the show, we'll be checking in with Tom Boskett from Salt Cares about an upcoming Touch a Truck event that's happening in Liberty. Don't know what a Touch a Truck event is? Well, stay tuned to find out. But first, election season has begun. Keep it tuned to Radio Catskill this election season for the latest news and interviews to keep you informed before you head to the polls. Sullivan County has started early voting for the Republican primary race of the district attorney's office. The early voting period will extend until June 25th, with the official primary voting day scheduled for June 27th. One of the candidates contending for the position is Deputy County Attorney Tom Cawley, who is running against Acting District Attorney Brian Connolly. And on the phone with now is the Deputy County Attorney, who will be sharing his insights on why he believes he should be elected as the next district attorney. Tom, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You started out as a Democrat in this race. You switched to the Republican Party. What factors led you into switching parties and run against the acting district attorney, Brian Conti? Primarily,
1: the the party, the Democratic Party that I grew up in was very different than what it is today. The process that they utilize, and they seem to get their lead from Albany and or New York City, and they've been making some very, very bad decisions in regards to law and order and public safety, in my opinion, not the least of which is the bail reform, the recently adopted Clean Slate Act, the ability to, no matter how how heinous your crime was, if you reach a certain age, you should be able to get paroled. That agenda, that left-wing agenda that is being driven by the Democratic Party in Albany and New York City does not align with my beliefs. Uh, As far as law and order and public safety goes, and I couldn't in good conscience go forward as a Democrat, the Republican Party stance on these issues and in general law and order, uh, public safety, the police agencies and the sheriff's department jail is much more in line to my belief. I don't stand for those and never have good for those left wing ideologies. And I couldn't see running as a Democrat when that's the platform of the Democratic Party. I it didn't it didn't jive with my thought of what what
0: a district attorney should be and what what should be expected of a DA. You said in an article that the DA's office needs to be retooled. What specific changes are you advocating for? Well, specifically, um, I started in the district attorneys back
1: in the early 90s under Steve Lundian. Um, the way that office was put together was that the ADA, so it's, it's, it's what's known as vertical prosecution, I would handle a case from the earliest stages in justice court, even, even felonies that would eventually go up the chain. Uh, we had full discretion on autonomy in our justice courts over misdemeanors and violations. The matter went up to the county court after either a prelim or went to a grand jury presentation. The ADA, in, m- in my case, I would handle that case. I would present to the grand jury. I would present out the indictment. I would do the arraignment. I would do all the discovery in county court. I would offer the plea bargains, obviously, in conjunction uh, with Mr. Lundin, uh, until I got to be one of the seniors, then I had more discretion over felonies. Uh, but the the office was a vertical prosecution. Then you would do the trial, and if you were successful in the trial, you're going to have an appeal. Then I would do the appeal from the from the first day in court until the last day when the. The appellate division renders a judgment on an appeal. Singular ADA would handle the whole thing. It's a way to learn system top to bottom. Now, under Mr. Farrell, that system w- was broken apart, and he set up a system where the junior attorneys, uh, the new attorneys, only handled misdemeanors, were granted no discretion. They couldn't even plea out a violation-level offense. As far as I'm aware, um, even though Mr. Uh, Conaty says he's, he's going to change that system, it really hasn't changed, Not not as of yet. Um, so. You know, where he likes to tout his five years' experience. First two years that he was in that office, he had no autonomy, no discretion. He was, he was, you know, a a glorified Uber driver going from court to court. Um, That's a bad system. And you don't train lawyers. Who would want to come and work under that system where you, you, all you're doing is, Running around to courts and not learning anything. You don't get to try a case. You don't have discretion. You know, at least plea bargain to work with the other side. There's it's it's really uh, a system that is is very uh, destructive to training new lawyers. The system I worked under, we, I had a lot of seniors teaching me how to do what I needed to do and people to go to. That system doesn't work anymore. There's no mentoring. There's there's uh, no training. There's put, put these guys in justice court excuse me, men and women in justice court. And, you know, just give them a check. Uh, Who would want to come here? As far as the fix of the backlog and other things, you have to bring in some senior attorneys. You got to bring in some trained criminal litigators. The calendar is static. And, you know, you 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 hear about the occasional trial being conducted but that's a one off and the backlog is huge dozens and dozens of violent felonies that are just sitting there the older they get the harder they get to prosecute and they're not being moved i don't i don't see that there's a push and unfortunately Neither Mr. Conndy nor any of his staff have are are have the training or expertise to litigate. Um, and he has had an inability to bring in any new attorneys. now he'll he'll tell you that's because we don't pay enough at the county. I say that's not true. I came to work for thirty two thousand dollars now that was nineteen ninety three to be fair. But fact was, I came here to learn. I knew the salary wasn't going to be good, but it was a great learning experience. I became the trial attorney that I am based upon the training I got. Training that I have taken to the next step and continued on. Everything I learned, I still hold near and dear. And you know, un- unlike Mister. Coddy's protestations, I haven't for- I haven't forgot how to litigate cases. I know how to litigate. I know how to litigate criminal and civil cases. Um, I took that training with me to the county attorney's office and became a better lawyer for it because you learn a lot more than what you know as an ADA. So um, what I think I can bring in far, as I'm a 30-year experienced attorney with a reputation within Sullivan and other counties, because I work with other counties in federal litigation, I think I would have the ability to draw uh, uh, new blood to the office, preferably senior attorneys with trial experience, felony trial experience, and I honestly don't believe anyone's going to come to work for a junior attorney like Mr. Coddy, um, a 15-year veteran, criminal defense uh, prosecutor, is going to come and work for a young uh, attorney with only basically years' worth of actual criminal litigation. Don't forget, after the two years he spent in limbo in justice court, there was COVID. Mr. Coddy's only been actually doing trial work, although he claims to be very, very experienced, slightly a year and a half. About all his trial experience really is that—that's no nobody with any real trial experience and uh, the kind of veteran attorney
0: you would love to bring to that office. I don't think they're going to want to work for that boss. That's just my opinion. You mentioned the backlog of cases. What steps do you propose to reduce the backlog of cases, which I believe, when I understand, that COVID has made worse. It was the pandemic had something to do with it, but it's not. It's the the the, the
1: that idea you. It can only fall back on the pandemic for so long. The fact is, you need to start moving these cases. And that's not happening. You, you know, you, you know, you're 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 a local member of the press. You see cases getting pushed through. You, you got two sitting county court judges. There should be a trial going on every week. The older the cases that need to be prosecuted. You got cases that have been pending two and three years, significant felonies that need to be prosecuted. When you let cases get old, there's an old line in district attorney's office. Criminal cases for the prosecution are, 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 don't get better with age. They're not red wine. So the fact is the longer and older they get, the harder they get to prosecute. Witnesses lose faith. They disappear. They move. The evidence isn't as easily findable. The you know, Just overall, the defense attorneys are happy to move uh, you know, to let cases get old, but they're also frustrated. Part of the problem with the backlog I think more so than COVID, system was put in place uh, under Farrell where you had a wave thirty thirty speedy trial time. All defendants on felonies had a wave of misdemeanors too. Uh, I don't know on every single misdemeanor, but on the significant ones. But every felony, if you did not waive your speedy trial time, then they would take a hard line against you and no plea bargains, and they're going to hammer you into the ground like a spike. So that threat and that power over the defendant, which I don't think is appropriate or proper in most cases, occasionally the really, you know, the really violent, significant felonies, you you know, you're not, you'd let them know right off the bat. You're not, there's not going to be any deal. You better waive 30, 30, and you better be willing to take a significant state prison sentence. And that's appropriate in some cases, but not every. So what happens is then the case sits for a while. And look, uh, the last two, uh, Administrations have taken the position that even though that case is two or three years old, we're not going to make a fair uh, offer. And they still take a hard line position. So the defense attorneys, and I'm friends with a lot of local members of the bar that do defense work. Well, I'm not going to take a deal. I'll just let that case sit, especially in a case under bail reform where less and less guys are in jail than they used to be. It's no great hardship to a defendant to just let the people's case get old. Um, now if they're sitting in jail it's a different situation uh but what you have to do is figure out a way to get attorneys in if you have if you have to do you know the the prosecution can bring in attorneys uh special prosecutors whatever it takes and go after the violent significant felonies that are two and three years old tee up the old ones first don't get the don't take the easy new ones that you feel that you can take on right now. You have to try these cases. Or in the right case, if the case should not have been prosecuted or you, uh, a proper plea bargain is in, then then do that. Because not, in not every case, you can't prosecute every single case to the fullest extent with the law, as people like to say. If you don't have the good, the obligation, and it's the duty and the ethical responsibility of a good prosecutor's office and the district attorney who's running that office, don't let people dangle in the wind. They very much may have be bad people in your opinion. But if you don't have the goods, if you can't prove your case, you have an ethical obligation to work out a plea bargain if you can or dismiss the case. If you you have cases that have been sitting out for years that aren't even indicted, that tells me something. You don't even have enough to go get an indictment. You know, the old line uh, from uh, Judge Walkler, you know, a good prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich. It's easy enough to get an indictment, but now you're really stuck. If you indict a case that you shouldn't have indicted, now it swings back, and then maybe they don't waive 30 at arraignment. But I think you have to take a really hard look at these cases, decide which ones need to be prosecuted in what order. You know, do you know do your prioritization of cases? Uh, you know, because it's not just unfair to the defendants, it's unfair to the victims. You know, you're sitting out there for two three years waiting to get the call when do i come in for the trial what's going to happen to you know defendant john doe you know he did a bad thing to me and you guys don't seem to care that can't be the way we handle it and the fallback is it, it it's the fault of covid or i can't they don't pay me enough uh, my lawyers enough money to try cases you know that's you know, that's pretty closed-minded thinking. You got to think outside the box. And in day one, or even before then, I would be soliciting members of the local bar in Orange County. And, and, and I, I, I have some contacts in Rockland and Westchester, and I'll put the word out that I need people, I, even if it's on a short-term basis, I need trial attorneys that I can trust. to, And let's let's get these cases moving. And I would meet with the, the county court judges and you know obviously they are they they set the trial not the district attorney it's their courtroom they but i think they would agree we have um uh, uh two county court judges one being a prior district attorney mr Farrell uh and a, a, a county court judge in miss Joe's who was an ex ADA and I, I think they would relish moving some cases and doing these trials um and i i would uh do my best to try to clean up that backlog so don't forget if you're not moving the then the present cases go to the back of the line. And the worst case, if you decide, let's let's try the newer ones coming in, let's, let's let's handpick a few of these cases right off the front, then the old cases just get older and harder to try. You, you have to go after those older cases, or like I said, or you have to decide if they're after the years of languishing in the back room in the dark, they're not prosecutable, then you got to do the right thing. Or you, or you just take your chances. And you, some cases, even if you don't think you have the best case, the nature of the case, you need to go forward and do that. And let's go to trial set of a rapid trial. Uh, uh, you know, set up a bunch of felony jury trials and, and clear this out. And then realign. Once you get it to a manageable position, then I think you you need to give your eight. The fact is, it's not just the felonies that are backlogged. There's justice court cases uh, that are sitting for two or three years on violation and misdemeanor level offense, and a large part because the prosecutors in the ADAs and those co- court have no ability. They have to go to a senior. They have to go to one of the top ADAs for uh, a plea bargain on a on a violation level offense. That's insanity. At some level, you got to trust your ADAs that you know after. Couple months. I I tried my first felony jury trial under Mister Lungan inside a year. I tried it against Manny Gelman, and ex ADA. Within the first year, that's the nature of that office. That's what was expected of you. That's what I learned under, and that's what that office needs to become.
0: How do you plan to promote transparency and accountability within the district attorney's office?
1: Transparency, you know, is is twofold. When people generally talk, and I've been, you know, in the county attorney's office working with the legislature and the highest level of the government here. Transparency and the public relationship to government under FOIL, open meetings law, and such is something I know very well. There's a slightly different nuance when you're talking uh, the district attorney's office. The district attorney's office obviously uh, holds their files a little closer to the vest. They're not, for the most part, while the case is being prosecuted, the, the files are not open for uh, discovery under under freedom of information law. But what I think your question is asking is there seems to be even the disconnect between the current and the previous administration and our local sheriff's department. There, there doesn't seem to be the, the uh, symbiotic relationship between law enforcement and the DA that the district attorney's office definitely has taken a position. It's their case, their file, they'll let you know what they want to know, when they want to know it. It doesn't create a relationship that I think leads to good outcome. I truly would like to see the both state police and sheriff's department want to cooperate, want to share information. I don't know why the district attorney's office refused to share information amongst its brethren in the law enforcement community and take the position, you know, we'll, we'll let you know when we need you, you know, you know, sit in the corner and wait for our, our cue. Um, that is very apparent in the current situation between the district attorney's office and the county attorney's office, uh, where Mr. Coddy has taken the position that he won't share information in the Louvre case because we don't need it. He'll decide what the county attorney's office needs to prosecute the removal of the surviving child crown. Um, And he's taken the position in such a manner that potentially harming to our case. He presents himself as the children's champion and forgets the fact that the county attorney's office obligation is to ensure the safety of the surviving child in a negligence matter. And he's not a party to that matter. Previous administrations, until the last one, had never, ever failed to share information in the 20 years I've been working in the county attorney's office. We thought we were on the same team. That's clearly no longer the case. He compounded that situation at his press conference where he he blamed... Uh, Mr. McGuire for not removing uh, Acacia from the situation after there were uh, uh, indi- indi- uh, hotline calls made on three occasions. That, that rhetoric, as you're probably aware, is still bouncing around, even though Mr. McGuire tried to put that t- uh, to bed. Uh, Mr. Conaty has those files, although he probably shouldn't have them from the Child Protective Services. Uh, He acquired them, again, you say transparency in a pretty surreptitious sleight-of-hand manner without notifying the county and the county attorney's office that he was acquiring CPS files. Um, And there's no indicated cases in those files. He knows that, yet uh, he doesn't know, maybe he doesn't know the standard is that without an indicated case, meaning CPS looked at a hotline call and found there was enough to go forward and potentially with a a neglect or an abuse proceeding in the right case, then it's turned over to the county attorney's office to file the petition. That never happened here in this case. It was never an indicated case with the Louvert uh, family in all of the years that uh, Akashic was on the on the planet. Um, never happened. Yet, Mr. Connady made that clear statement in his press conference blaming Mr. McGuire, and he's allowed the rhetoric to continue that Mike McGuire has blood on his hands. He knows that's not the case so he either lacks the knowledge integrity or maturity to stand up and say you know what i made a mistake everybody makes mistakes the boss in a department like the district attorney's office should have the maturity and the integrity to admit that that's not the case but obviously he he's, he doesn't want to do that because somehow he thinks that helps him in his campaign against me um it's an overt lie that he's allowed to continue, um, and it's shameful. It really is shameful that he would allow that to continue and people believe the falsehood that he created. I don't know that he did it on purpose originally or he just didn't understand what an indicated case was and the need for that, um, but he should by now. That was weeks and weeks ago, and he's had that file, and he could, he should have if he hasn't already talked to the people. If he doesn't understand it, you know, normally he'd pick up the phone and call the county attorney's office, but that, that can't happen now. Because they set this polarizing situation in place, um, and it's not just the county attorney's office. In all phases of county, co- it, the county agencies in different areas have always cooperated with each other. Um, the district attorney's office is taking this firm position that they're, you know, they're an island on their own. they will fly the ship by themselves. They'll make all the decisions. It's their right and stay out of our way. I don't think that's a good way to run that office. I think it's going to lead to bad outcomes. I think you're going to, you know, people are going to, then when you, when you pick up the phone after you stonewalled whoever for a while, be it in a police agency, the county attorney's office, the the legislature, now you pick up the phone and say, hey, I need some help. Human nature would lend you to the belief that the help and the assistance that you should get is probably not going to be as forthcoming as if you had offered your hand originally. But. It's, you know, it's, it's, it seems to always be my way or the highway with the district attorney's office. And I, I would absolutely change that on day one, if I was elected district attorney's office, because I think that office works better in a cooperative position with all of the agencies it works with, with trust and cooperation and confidence that they'll do the right thing.
0: I, I don't, I think that's sorely lacking at this. Tom, before we go. Why do you believe you're the best candidate for the district attorney's position compared to your opponent?
1: Primarily, I'm the best because I have 30 years in practice. I've committed my entire professional career, with the exception of a year and change, working uh, at the Greenland Law Office, to the county. I'm a public servant, true and true. It's what I've done, and I've, I've excelled as a, as a litigator. My opponent has tried to make bones out of the fact that, well, I call Kauley, he's lying to you, as the flyers have said, that I haven't tried a case in 20 years. I've, I've never ever said that. I, I never lied. I, the fact that I, I try cases in the civil matter, I have not forgotten a single thing from my seven exceptional years in the county attorney's office in 1990. What I am as a litigator and a trial attorney is, is definitely stems from the training and experience I received there. This idea that somehow I forgot that and I don't know how to try a criminal case is a complete fiction. Now, Mr. Connolly may think, you know, 20 years is a long time ago. Well, 20 years ago, he was 10. So maybe he doesn't remember a lot when he was 10. I was not 10 years old 20 years ago. I was 37. So I do remember everything about the district attorney's office and the training. And what did I do from there? I didn't leave. I, I'm not there just for a couple of years looking for a stepping stone somewhere else. I transferred to the county attorney's office where I've augmented those skills and added a ton more uh, People don't realize the, the limited nature of a criminal practice is that you deal with very finite set of rules. I had to learn a whole new area of law in the civil realm and to become an assistant county attorney and deputy county attorney that the fact is I'm an exceptionally better lawyer now in a lot of ways, and more than anything else, I think I have exceptional management skills. In both the DA's office and in the county attorney's office, I was given the privilege and the right to train, counsel, and help lawyers become better lawyers. The newer attorneys, uh, just like I was taken under the tutelage of the senior attorneys in the the DA's office and, and to a lesser degree in the county attorney's office when I came here, I had the ability to work with different senior attorneys and skills, and learn from different people. You learn a lot from different lawyers and different aspects of the law, and you learn how to bring things to the table. Mr. Kennedy has zero experience as a manager. He's taken his lead from whatever he learned from you know at, you know say you know, so. Long, you know, he learned under uh, under Ms. Gallagher. She was only the DA for two years, and. The second year, she was primarily running for her current position as a judge. So the, the thing is, is that he did not have that type of training. He does not have those skills. He has no skills as an administrator. And you want to you make bones about the fact that it, the district attorney is, you know, the lead child. He is the district attorney. He or she is the head of a large administrative office. You have to know the inner workings of the county government and how to get things done. How do you, if, if the real problem in the tracking lawyer is to get more money on the table? I know how to do that. The fact is, if you have a problem with an employee, civil service, I know how to do that. If we're, we want to acquire new equipment for us or the local PD, I know purchasing. I have personal relationships and professional relationships is more accurate with the. Almost every department that I know on a first name basis will take my call, will work with me. I've not burned any bridges, unlike Mr. Coddy, and I want to work with both the legislature and the county manager's office to better the environment and to better the, the ability of the county district attorney's office to perform the functions of that job, to boil it down to this finite idea that you have to be uh, you know, solely this criminal trial attorney, which I got no problem with. I'll take that fight with Mr. Connelly head to head every day because I think my experience—I have more than twice, almost twice the years of experience. He's handled a handful of felony cases. I had over felony twenty-five felony jury trials in seven years because we tried cases back like then. They didn't sit on the back shelf and get around to them. And get around to them. We tried felonies within a year of the arrest on on most occasions, it, or or if they weren't to be tried, then they were pled out, and you and you and you performed justice. I think I can bring justice back and not this delay and this heavy handed approach uh, to uh, prosecution in Sullivan County. Um, you have to you have to be able to look at these cases in a proper justice oriented manner. And that doesn't always mean the heavy hand. Sometimes it, it especially with this, the backlog of cases. There's no way you can take a hard line. You're gonna are you gonna prosecute everyone to trial? Well, if that's your opinion, if that's Mr. Connody's plan, then he, he, start teeing these cases up. Then, what are you doing? If you want to play the hardball, hardline case with all these cases um, and not move them and wait till see what happens uh, on July on June 27th or in November. Uh, if that's his plan, to I, God, I hope. I God, I hope he doesn't want, just hope he's hanging for another half a year to see what happens in the election, uh, and then make it even a worse of a backlog. backlog. The fact is, is that I will do everything in my ability to bring in lawyers. I will, I will absolutely make it a mandate that we try cases. I will give the attorneys. I will make it attractive for uh, younger attorneys to come here as ADAs and learn and become better lawyers and you know, not just be driving around from court to court. And there's no reason why you can't go from p- the top to the bottom and, and prosecute cases in that matter. And in addition, what I can bring to the table is my experience. Um, I'm currently handling half a dozen federal cases for the county. I don't know that any uh, attorney in that office is Admitted in the federal practice, I'm pretty sure Mr. Connody isn't. The DA's office and local PDs, the sheriff's department, get dragged into federal litigation all the time. It would be helpful in certain cases, like a writ of habeas corpus, where somebody tries to get out of jail on a federal writ. I, as the district attorney's office, would want to appear and handle them. Right now, the county attorney's office, and we're more than capable and happy to do that uh, when the writ's against the sheriff, but certain times they're against the district attorney himself or the office or his officers, you'd think you'd want to be able to come and file papers. I don't need to learn that. I don't need to get admitted there. i am admitted in three district courts in the circuit court. I've made it all the way up to New York State Court of Appeals in the appellate case. My trial experience surmounts Mr. Connady by 20 plus years. My appellate practice experience is substantially more than that Mr. uh, this idea that he knows all the cases and, you know, he's better. He actually has put out there that he has more and better experience than me to handle the cases. That is just a, ph- a phenomenal uh, idea to me that he can actually have the audacity and the chutzpah to put out there that he he is in a better position right now because he, quote, knows the file. Give me a weekend. I'll, I'll get up to speed. I'll know those files. I, I don't need to. Now, as he puts it i'm the one who needs i'm on, on the job training he he's he, he is in my opinion unprepared for the job inexperienced untrained and unfortunately he, he i he presents this arrogance that i think he, him becoming the district, district attorney could lead to some very tragic outcomes and i hate to see that happen and i truly believe i'm the better choice most experienced choice i take umbridge when they when questions are put to my, uh, my ethics or my, uh, ability to be fair and impartial in 30 years practicing in Sullivan County, ask any member of the bar, if they think I'm, I'm corrupt or corruptible attorney. And the answer is no. So I don't like the innuendos. And I guess that's part of being in politics. You think after 30 years working for the government, I would know better, but it still bothers me. And I think I've, I've demonstrated my commitment to Sullivan County fact that I wasn't born here shouldn't matter. I chose to come here. I raised a daughter here. My daughter uh, my, uh, grew up and went to school and now is living in Westchester. My wife was 30 plus years as a special ed teacher in Benjamin Kozer, South of Wallsburg. My family has demonstrated our commitment to Sullivan County and public service, and I would like the opportunity to take it one more step
0: and become your next district attorney. That's all. We were talking to the deputy county attorney, Tom Qualley and why he thinks he should be the next district attorney. You're listening to The Local Edition. We'll be right back with a conversation between Tim Bruno and Tom Bosket from Salt Cares. We'll be right back.